that was one of the things I thought about getting yeah. me. So what you're going to do, then that's how
right, we did it, praise the Lord, we made it to church, it's getting close to uh, Christmas, it's right around the corner, and boy, is there a lot of folks on the sick and hurting list, but you know what, the good news is, it's not lasting very long for folks, so some of you were on the sick and hurting list last week, and then next week, uh, those who are on the sick and hurting list today will be back with us, praise God, and since we've, most of you have already had it, uh, that means maybe next week we'll all be together and, and very few of us will be sick. And so, praise God, uh, it, this, this particular round of illnesses does not seem to be lasting a long time. I uh, uh, wanted to mention to you specifically Natalie uh, McCrory. She has it the worst of the McCrory's. Uh, she has it the worst, and uh, Chris is very concerned for her. And so, can you lift her up in prayer with me this morning as I pray? And then keep praying for those who have lasting, ongoing health concerns. Some of them have gotten a little better, and some of them continue to struggle and lift each other up. And the easy way to do that is probably just go down and in your mind, you can think about everybody that's in the room. And even if you don't know their names, you can know their faces. And you can pray, envision them in your head, and pray for that person and what they might be going through. And God knows exactly what they need. And that's a great way to pray for your church body. Don't forget that we're emphasizing... Um, Silence and solitude, so take some time this week to be alone with the Lord. Turn off everything and just let the silence, and if you're like, uh, some of us have that uh, little bit of tinnitus or whatever that will ring in your ear, that's okay, that's still silence, all right? Just you and God alone and talk to Him and, and pray uh, for others and listen to what God has to say and so on. And then, so there's no youth Bible study this week because there was Thursday, and what a good Bible study they had on Thursday, a good group of people. Missing a few folks because they were sick, and then still a real solid group of people talking about their testimony and what a Christian testimony is and how they can share it in their schools, and they can share it wherever they go, and that was a really cool study. And then uh, also Arts and Crafts Night, we made some little t-shirt Christmas ornaments, that was this last Friday, so not this Friday coming, but the following Friday, which is the 28th, we'll be doing that. And we had a little warm-up. In January, we're going to do t-shirts on Arts and Crafts Night. You design your own T-shirt and with and then iron on the the ink irons onto the T-shirt. So that's coming in January. I want to get keep an ear out for that. Helped tons of people this week through the life station and to the pantry here at New Heights, and we we're grateful to be able to do that. And a lot of them are turning their attention to God, and that's really important. So we want to be available. And we've got more people joining us online from our own congregation and others in the city today. Uh, at least. That's what I was told would be happening anyway, so I don't, we don't count them actively as they come in and out or whatever, but that's, so pray for them, that they will move in God's general direction, okay? Does anybody else have a prayer request you'd like to shout out at this time, or something that's just weighing on your heart this morning? All right, so we'll be praying again at the oftentimes, so if you're joining us online, and you have a prayer request in particular, then you can put it in, we'll try to get it from there. And, and pray for it at the, at the time as we get closer to the uh, ministry of the word today, okay? So let's pray together, and I'll be praying for our second hurry, and um, and then we'll worship God a little bit more. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray for those who are on our hearts today who are hurting. We adore you. We know that you have made um, society, the boundaries of society, our relationships, and even what goes on in our bodies. All for your purposes, all for your glory, all for your amazing witness and a light to be shined on you. And it is sad, it is difficult uh, when people are sick. And uh, we're missing Mr. Tim this morning and the McCrory family and others who even 
texted in or called in today and said they're, they're very ill. Um, and so we pray, Lord, that you touch them. We also know that there were those who were very ill this last week. And it's good to see uh, Tommy uh, overcoming and Alicia overcoming and Amalia overcoming and others. Uh, Lord, and I'm not meaning to name certain folks uh, and not name others, but we're grateful that Josh is able to be here and play in the bass. And um, we pray, Lord, that when we gather uh, gather together again next week or even on Tuesday, that we'll all be able to be here. Everybody can be here that's sick now and they'll have overcome it. We ask you to minister to them especially. We pray for Brother Tony and Tom Trammell who are still on their way here. Had some trouble uh, this morning, but they're coming. And said, we'll likely be here before uh, the children are released. And I pray that indeed they will. And we'll keep them safe in the meantime. Pray for those who are joining us online, those who this Christmas season so desperately need you. We need you. We need you in our midst. We need you working in this service. We need you leading us and guiding us. We need you making us melodious. That means that we sound good. Um, so that it'd be pleasing to your ear. Please take over now. We submit it all to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Stand up with us. Wake up a little bit. You guys sing some more.
video so we can sing along with it. So while we switch to the video and get ready to play that, I have some verses I'd like to share with you. Don't worry about anything, but pray and ask God for everything you need. And when you pray, always give thanks. And God's peace will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace that God gives us is so great, we cannot understand it. We pray that the Lord of peace will give you peace at all times in every way. May the Lord be with you, with all of you. You, Lord, give true peace. You give peace to those who depend on you. You give peace to those who trust you. I leave you peace. My peace I give you, I do not give it to you as the world does. So do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. I pray that the God who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace while you trust in him, that your hope will overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. A child will be born to us. God will give, us to give a son to us who will be responsible for leading the people. His name will be Wonderful Counselor, Powerful God, Father who lives forever, Prince of Peace. Let there be peace, peace to every nation, let there be hope, all the sea, let there be love, and joy to all the children, let there be peace on earth for you.
that's what I thought was coming, but I couldn't see the PowerPoint. <laughs> and I didn't have my bullet pen. All right, so we're at the inspirational moment time. Somebody will hit, pop that light on back there. And how has the Lord been speaking to you this very busy, very exciting, very kind of sick-laden, very um, active Christmas season? What have you heard from the Lord this last week? What do you got to share? Tony Tate. I'm excited. I always get excited about this. Uh, uh, I would say encourage or re-encourage, but like if you already know, it's going to remind us. I mean, I won't get into the whole thing, but I'm sure we're all familiar with Malachi, was the last prophet that uh, shared uh, prophetic events and what God was going to do or what's coming up, and in 300 years, there's no way talking. I'm not saying that God wasn't doing nothing, because there was no other books, there was no more prophets, they didn't need it. And then, of course, we know that this is the time when Jesus is going to be born, the Savior of the world, God himself in flesh. And I get it, I could do this whole long thing, but I'm just going to keep it short. And I just love the idea is that all the, because everybody's like, you know, I like the New Testament God over the Old Testament God. And it's like, it's just, it blows me away sometimes when people think that there's some different God here and God here. The New Testament God is not Old Testament God or New Testament God. It's just the whole point that we don't need prophets no more. We don't need humans to do all these things anymore. We don't need sacrifices anymore. The Savior Jesus has come. And even when we talk about, like, the shepherds, I mean, they're lonely shepherds. And we don't even know if they're for Israel. We don't know if they're for Judah, because we all know they're the 12 tribes of Israel. You know, God is reaching out to anybody at that moment. And the shepherds are freaking out. And for the first time, I mean, they've happened before, but no prophets are speaking. But the angels come, and a choir of angels, who knows how many, multitude heavenly angels. And the shepherds are, what, celebrating? Heck no. They're freaking out as much as I would freak out if one angel would show up and proclaim God, or just say, hi, I'm an angel. Oh my gosh, leave me alone. Like, what are you doing? You're absolutely powerful, majestic, light blind in my eyes. My body can't understand the holiness of what you're doing or any of reverence. I mean, and they're freaking out. He says, be of good cheer. The Savior has come. He's born in the town of David. He tells them that this is where he's at. This is what you've been waiting for. In the city of David, the Savior. And what I love about that is this is the first time ever I'm not saying God didn't reach out to anybody, but it's not about Jew. It's not about Gentile. It's not about who's got this all together. It's not about the prophets. It breaks my heart every time when I see people that just keep dwelling in wickedness. Not because, because they're in wickedness, but they don't have to be in wickedness. They don't. I didn't save myself when I was 23 years old. I didn't do it. It was like God's power, God's love. No, it was God himself. It doesn't matter about power. God himself saved me. I called in his name and Jesus gave me a brand new life. Saved me from death. Saved me from eternal death. Saved me from myself. Because there's even this part of me that doesn't want to listen. But saved me from that. The Holy Spirit saved me. And who am I? I'm just like a lowly shepherd. Like John the Baptist said, I can't even tie your sandals. I'm not worth even take them off your feet. And here it is. Jesus has come. So that, and, and everybody thinks the Savior, and I'll finish with this because we already know this too, but this is not a Savior that's going to knock down the Roman Empire or start his own kingdom or proclaim, I am God, and worship me and follow me. Let's get the, let's get the tent back out. Let's get the sacrifice back out. No, this is Jesus literally saying, the kingdom is here. 
and it's right. through me back to God. And what an amazing time. Don't be excited like me, but be excited. Be excited. Do something today. Proclaim his name. Whatever it is, but this is Christmas. We don't know what month. We never know when he was born or but this is the time we celebrate that Jesus has finally came on this earth. Woo! Good stuff. Good stuff. God is good. Anyone else? Alright. Once. Or twice. So many gifts for the young people the year before that they just get tired of opening gifts and they took some of those gifts that they had been given and they put them on a shelf in their room. And come time to shop for Christmas the next year, the gifts were still sitting there unwrapped from the previous year. And right away everybody went, well, What did we do wrong? Why did we give these gifts that they didn't even bother opening them? Somebody, you know, I never saw them open this that I bought them, I never saw them open this that I got them, like that. And, um, and they were asking themselves, what do we do? I think we bought too many gifts. We got them too many gifts. So how do we make sure? And they were, but that was prompted by the fact that they never used the gifts that they had already gotten. And uh, immediately, I would say, you're not going, yeah, that's too many gifts, right? At that point, you take away all the specialness of anything that you've given when you get too many. But God is like that. God is pouring into our lives. And if he's poured into our lives a gift or a calling or a release to do something that, that we really want to do for him, and then we're not doing that thing. Uh, then going back to God and asking for more is kind of like that. God's like, well, I already gave you the gift. There it is. There's the gift. You're like, I'm not going to use the gift you gave me, God. I want this other gift over here. And that's it's very disrespectful to the giver. So that's a very good word. And, and for one thing, we can know for sure uh, that God knows our hearts. And when he gives us something, a calling, a release, whatever it is, he expects us to put that into practice absolutely. And uh, it's not a thing where it's going to be, oh, I'm going to put it away for a while. If God gave it, you're going to use it until either God takes it away or turns it into something else or polishes it to make it something that can truly bring him glory. And so, uh, very good word. Okay, so we're going to pray together at this time. Uh, did, you, did you happen to notice any comments that came in, any prayer requests before we pray? Okay, so we don't have anything. Um, 
And so, uh, RJ, would you lead us in this prayer? Remember, Todd and Austin are upcoming, and pray for uh, folks who are sick, and uh, God, God will lead us. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this time together. Uh, God, I just want to thank you for the ability to be here and to worship you in a country that allows us to. Because there are many places, Lord, where that's not possible, or it's extremely difficult. So I thank you most of, all, most of all that you give us the opportunity to do this, and that I pray that we use it to glorify your kingdom and not ourselves. Uh, pray for the tithes and offerings that are coming. Make sure that it's it's all about you and our giving for you, not for anything else. Uh, pray for those who are sick and hurting, because that number is many. Um, we have quite a few here that are still struggling with just getting over being sick, God, that Whatever is going around is just making people feel crummy. So, God, I just pray that you heal them up, get them back to doing what you have for them. And most importantly, God, I just pray that we all remember to keep you keep you first and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
So if you'll exercise your imagination with me for a moment, this bin is going to represent life. Now it may represent your life, or life in general, or both really. And the truth is, there's a lot of stuff in life. There's a lot of stuff that isn't really good, doesn't really bring us any happiness, uh, things go wrong, and so on. And then I want to talk about joy. And I want to say that in the midst of this life, uh, someone might say that they could find joy. The Bible clearly talks about joy. It is one of the most talked about topics in the New Testament, not by any means the top, but one of the most talked about topics. And I would suggest to you that you need joy. If you can sit here today and you can say, I'm not sure when the last time I felt joy was, or I'm not 100% sure I know what joy is, uh, then you've got a real problem. The book of Proverbs says, uh, Proverbs 17:22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries out the bones. Joy is not simply happiness in that I feel good about my current situation. Okay? Uh, it's not happiness in that I think something went well or didn't go well. There's a recent trend on social media started back in 2021. Um, and it, was, it actually came from a Korean video game, and there was a character in there, and, and she did this little scene where she said, I'm so happy. And then a few seconds later, something went wrong, and she said, I'm so sad. And it got picked up on TikTok, and what happened was it literally got hundreds of millions of views as people produced these little videos, oftentimes somewhat inappropriate little videos, but these little videos of themselves saying, I'm so happy, and they would like put a text across the screen, for example, uh, why they were, what made them happy. And then a split second later, they would say, I'm so sad. And they always did it with the voice of the character from the game. And it would be, I'm so happy, uh, and I, just an example might be, I'm so happy because I'm finally pleased with the way my body looks, right? And the guy worked out really hard, ate good, whatever, and got his body looking the way he wanted to. And then he, go, and then he sits down, you see a picture of him sitting down, and he looks at his stomach, and he goes, I'm so sad. Right? And the point is that they were saying, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much to make us happy, and it doesn't take much to make us sad. All right? And so it's, it's very fast. And so what wound up happening kind of the world over, because you know, TikTok is infamous. I wouldn't say famous, I'd say infamous. Um, but it's, it's all over the world. And uh, millions and millions of people posted these videos, and millions and millions and millions of people watched these videos, and it began to get people to wonder, what would it take for me to be happy? Because there's a lot of stuff in life, where's the happiness? And everybody knows, like, somebody gave me a gift, I just got a gift, oh, now I'm happy. It's a gift that I really wanted. It looks like what I wanted. It, it, it was very thoughtfully purchased. It was very thoughtfully made, whatever, and I'm happy, Okay. But joy is something more than happiness. And we'll come back to kind of contrast the two at a certain point. But right now I want to read to you, um, and then maybe you'll get a little excited or just say, okay, God, whatever you have in store, say amen. Give me a little hum, a hoot, a holler, or something as we go to Psalm 126. What? This is God's word. I didn't write it. And so when it steps on your toes, that's not my fault. Okay, I, I'm just preaching it uh, just like it's written. I don't change it. To preach it, I preach it from the New American Standard Version, and there are many good versions of the Bible, um, but the New American Standard Version is the one that I choose because 
is one of the two that most closely follows the original language. So that's one of the reasons why I choose it. But, it, it, but we don't speak those languages anymore, so that doesn't mean the other translations are bad because they're helping you to understand what it would say in the original language. So uh, Psalm 126 says this, When the Lord brought the captives of Zion, brought back the captives of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Okay, so we'll stop there for one second. So this is a picture of when the people who were in captivity came back home. They got to come home. They were stuck away from home, in, in slavery in some cases, in, uh, under other people's laws, uh, in nations that worshipped false gods. Uh, they, were not, they were not living in the land that God gave them, and that they come home. But what I want you to see in that first section there is an understanding of what joy is. There, this is a, a linguistic communication, which means we're trying to speak in language something that we feel. Music does a pretty good job of, art, of that. Art sometimes does a pretty good job of that. Um, but even then, music and art both say things differently to different people, right? So Josh might play his instrument. He might write a song even or, or, or notes in a certain order. He might play it, and it might bring him joy. Somebody else might listen to that same song, and they might get sad, experience sorrow, right? So it's different from person to person. That's what this writer is trying to convey. He says, as we were brought back, he says, we were like those who dream. So you've ever, have you ever had a dream, like a good dream, and you're, you're dreaming, and you just feel like warm and comfortable and excited, and you wake up from that dream and you go, man, that was a good dream. I really wish that was, that was real, right? I wish I could, that could actually happen. And you start to have a like it, it governs your whole being for, a, for an instant. It only lasts for a minute or two, but then you realize, yeah, it's just a dream and it'd be cool and maybe start thinking about, man, I wish I could have what was in that dream and I can't. I can't make that person or those people do or the situation change or whatever. And so for the moment you wake up from the dream, it's, I'm so happy. And then a moment later, you realize it was just a dream. It's like, I'm so sad, right? But the joy is that moment we were like those who dream and it was based on what was happening in the circumstances, but because they were seeing something more than what was right in front of them. Because, by the way, when they were coming back to the promised land, were they coming back to crops they didn't plant? Were they coming back to houses they didn't build like they did the first time? No, most everything was run down. They had a lot of work. They weren't coming back and go, wow, this is going to be awesome. Look at this. We've got this great building that we can deal with. They were going back, man, this thing's going to take hundreds of hours to even be operational. We've got holes in our roofs, and, and the crops have gone to weeds and, and everything. So, but they were like those who dream because they saw that God had acted on their behalf. And we're going to see that in the text in a moment. They were like those who dream. And he said, then our mouth was filled with laughter. It, when you experience joy, and there is an internal joy, there's a kind of like a, almost an involuntary response that happens in your other emotions, in your outward emotions. So you kind of go, <laughs> I can't believe that just happened, right? I went out... I, I know it sounds funny, but I went and played golf. I hit a ball on the very first hole, and it landed like three inches from the cup. And I'm like guaranteed, uh, you know, to be in and two. It's a par three. I'm guaranteed. I'm at the very first hole, the very first time I ever played that season, right? And for a moment, I went, what just happened? Like, that just happened? And like, I, in fact, I told Sherry, I said, uh, if I make this putt, which I'm probably going to, if I make this putt, I might be done for the season because I could just say my whole season was under par. You know what I mean? It would be awesome which really wasn't true because we were going to play and we're going to have fun. But the point is, when you feel that kind of like it's amazing type 
something coming from inside, it will force you to feel a smile, a laughter, something in your outward emotions that will be driven by what you're feeling inside. And it says in our tongue with joyful shouting. You ever been watching a sporting event and you root for your team? Maybe it's one of your kids or grandkids or it's your favorite sports team or whatever. And it's just something just incredible happens. You know, the, 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 the quarterback throws and the defensive lineman gets his hand up and ball hits the, the, his hand and it pops back. And the quarterback snatches out of the air, which is a reception, and then runs it for a touchdown. And suddenly you're motivated to go, what? Yes, awesome. That is similar to joy, except that it is short not enduring, all right? So that's what we're talking about. This, is, this text is teaching us what joy is without saying, without defining and saying. It's our tongue with joyful shouting. And it goes on to say, Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are joyful, meaning God has acted. And by the way, that is the primary place. That is the source of joy, it is in the knowledge and the experience of what God has done for you. It's not about what you can do. Yeah, it's cool to be able to do things, but if you do something, y'all know, y'all realize right, we're, we're, if, if Jesus doesn't come again first and something else, else doesn't claim us, we're, we're all going to die of old age. We all kind of, we all have the same end, right? A physical death on this earth. That's what's going to happen, right? So whatever you can do or sustain, whatever you can achieve or accomplish is limited in time scope. And a lot of people are living, trying to make their mark on the world in a way that in a hundred years or a thousand years, they might still be remembered. You know, so presidents, we still name the presidents in order. You know, someday if, if Jesus doesn't come again first, we've had a couple hundred presidents, that's going to be a real feat. It's already been a pretty significant feat, right, so far to name all the presidents in order and their names, right? And then something is attached to their name that they did. Well, that's really significant. And people are trying to do that, trying to outlive their own lifespan. Well, joy does that. So the recognition that God has done something great for you, we are joyful. That's the natural experience. It's not, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm so happy God did that miracle. I'm so sad God's not doing another miracle. That's not joy, right? One miracle one miracle that you can point to and say, God did this for me, ought to be enough to fill something inside you that never runs out. And that's what they're talking about. But then immediately in verse 4, it says, Restore or overturn our fortunes, Lord. In other words, do something incredible for us. Remember I told you they were returning to a land that was looking kind of needy. They were, they were going to be put there to do God's will without necessarily every resource that they might have desired to have. And it says, as the streams in the south, and the streams in the south, by the way, they come and they go. And when they come, everything is abundant. And everything is great. And the plants grow. And sometimes there are plants that grow, and they grow for a day, and then they die in seed because there's not enough water anymore. Right? And so he's saying, it's like that. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as the streams in the south. Let us receive that abundance from you that we can't get anywhere else. God, do that for us. Five, he says, those who sow in tears shall harvest with joyful shouting. And that is the first glimpse of the, of the real message of what God was teaching them by bringing them back to the promised land. He was teaching them that there is a time coming when the real provision of God is going to overwhelm and move, it's going to be past everything that you're experiencing, everything that you see with your eyes, everything that you touch with your hands, it's going to be past that. And you've got to live now, under these kind of adverse circumstances, or what you perceive to be adverse circumstances, 
In truth, they are not because they build up in you something amazing, right? The hardships that you go through, they, they really impact you and create something that God's trying to build, like a, a master carver bringing a beautiful image out of a block of stone, and God is like that. But the bottom line is saying, in this situation that we're in, those who sow in tears shall harvest with joyful shouting because joy is a coming, right? And recognize it is coming. So do what it is now. It's okay if you have to experience a little sorrow or sadness, but do what it is that you're called to because the joy is a coming. And verse 6 says, one who goes here and there weeping. So here I am sad because it's difficult. But then he says, carrying his bag of seed. In other words, trusting that a better future is coming, trusting in God, hoping in what God will do, right? Carrying his bag of seed shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. There is work to be done. And sometimes the experiences that we are having surrounding the work, they threaten the work. But God says, if you can go in sorrow and do what it is that you are called to do, despite the fact that you feel sad or whatever, then when the joy comes, the profit comes also. The benefit comes also. The abundance comes also. So they experience joy because God had done for them. They were now in a place where joy was available, but so was sorrow and difficulty. They were called to wait upon their final redemption just like you or I. You see the connection here? Isaiah, a prophet that would come later, most likely, depending on when this psalm is actually written, it's written by uh, David, probably, we're pretty sure written by David, Isaiah 35, 6 says this, Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy, for waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arabah. So they were looking forward to a time at which God was going to do amazing things. I'm asking you, are you looking forward to a time in which God is going to do amazing things? Isaiah 25, 8-9 says, And the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces, and he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken, and it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God, for whom we have waited, that he might save us. This is the Lord, for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Now, I ask you, is he talking about heaven? Are you waiting for heaven? You realize that you can get there by... If you truly are a follower of the Lord, any accidental or terrible thing that could happen to you could potentially take you there in an instant, right? But is Isaiah talking about heaven? If he's talking about heaven, then, it's, then why does it say, and he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth? And I submit to you, the re removal of the reproach of his people does not mean that he will remove a negative thought or a negative feeling or a bad action or a persecution from all the world toward people who believe in him. That's not what it's talking about. Reproach is when others look down on you, right? And he's saying that we would experience this great joy for the Lord has come whom we have awaited. Let us rejoice and be glad in our salvation. He's talking about the day of the church, the era of the coming of Christ, the salvation revealed. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Rejoice. We live in the day in which the Savior has been exhibited to all mankind. 
Now, I understand that there are those who have not received Christ, there are not, those who do not walk in the Lord, and so on. I can't be responsible for their joy. If you are busy trying to be responsible for someone else's happiness, and they are not a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have zero hope of ever making them lasting happy. All you do is when you provide that happiness, I'm so happy, a moment later at your absence, at the absence of the thing that you provided, or when they realize it's not quite right, or it doesn't actually bring any lasting joy, a moment later it's going to be, I'm so sad. We are, we are able to rejoice and be glad in his salvation, says Isaiah, a long time before Jesus ever came. Galatians 6, now we're in the New Testament, Paul Galatians 6, 7-10 says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now listen, this is what I'm saying to you. If you live your life pursuing that which will make you happy, you are sowing to your flesh. Because a happy experience is when endorphins are released in your brain. You can get this happy experience by eating a chocolate bar. That's a happy experience. You get a chemical reaction, a physical, you, be, you feel good. I feel good. I feel good. Right? And it's all over the world. And everybody's doing it, driven by a further desire for happiness. And that whole TikTok thing was all about people realizing that it's not about me waiting for what's going to make me happy because as soon as it makes me happy, a moment later, I'll be sad for whatever reason. That's what it's all about. And so I submit to you, there is an awakening in the world where people are realizing that the circumstances in which you live cannot give you lasting happiness. Happiness is that emotion that we feel. Joy is something so much more. If you instead sow to the Spirit, you will from the Spirit reap eternal life. By the way, how long does happiness last? I think we've already determined it's pretty fleeting. How long does joy last? Well, ask yourself this question. Will there be happiness in heaven? Will there be joy in heaven? If happiness is an experience, experience of your current physical form, then in some sense there will be happiness in heaven, but I submit to you that it will be driven by the joy that we will experience, not by what we now perceive as makes us happy. Verse 9 in there in Galatians says, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Paul writes in Philippians 2, 17-18, But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice. In other words, not, not I am happy. That word there does not mean I am happy. It means I express great joy. And it says, and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. So what we have here is a picture of an internal state that is most heavily based on what God has done. And instead of being affected by what takes place in the world, it drives what takes place in the world. So the first thing that we see in here, and you'll notice a stark similarity to what we talked about last week, is that God gives joy. Like peace, which we talked about last week, you can't buy joy, you can't steal joy, nor can you have it stolen 
or lose it by accident. Galatians 5 says that joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And when His Holy Spirit comes, joy is produced. Joy is not found in circumstances observed with senses, observed with senses but by faith, which means sometimes it will look nuts. Someone says they've been through a difficult time. Someone else says, oh, you must be really sad or sorrowful. And I'm like, well, no, actually, I, I'm perfectly okay. I have a joy in me that says that the outcome of this is somehow going to be for my best benefit. Yeah, I'm a little sad, but I am not stuck in sorrow. Right? I am not mourning how bad this has gone, nor am I blowing up in anger or trying to fix it. God shows us then that there are some bad things that we will go through, and I'm not going to go there and read them all, but I'm going to do a little object lesson if I can. Here's the first one. Do you think that you would be experiencing great joy if you and a friend were arrested wrongly, beaten, contained in painful quarters, in the dark, in the cold, without food? Well, in Acts chapter 16, that's exactly what happens. They're locked in the stocks, and we see them singing for joy in the middle of the night. Now you know the rest of the story. There's an earthquake. They're released. The lights are all out. The jailer comes running in, and he's about to commit suicide because his, his, that's the end of any Roman jailer who loses his charges. And Paul says, don't do it. We're all still here. So stocks, persecution, these things are in life. And according to Scripture, we can experience joy welling up from us internally in the stocks of life, in the worst times. Do you think that you would experience joy if you were confined to a small space? No real freedom to move about, no real freedom to go anywhere that you want. Completely indebted to another for your food, to, for your drink, for your safety. No more video games, none of that. You haven't experienced any of that. Well, the Bible says in Luke 1, 39, that Mary took a sojourn, basically, while she was pregnant with Jesus, and she went to see her cousin. And her cousin, who was in, frankly, an old woman, because that's what she was. I said that a little bit wrong. So her cousin, who was an old woman, the baby who was in her cousin, who was an old woman, there we go, say it that way, leapt with joy at the sound of Mary's voice while he was still in the womb, having not experienced all the good things that you've experienced, having no access to all the good things that life supplies, just the knowledge that you have come into the presence of your Savior. Sometimes life is like that. Paul talks about Jesus in Philippians 2. What did Jesus do? He left heaven, took on a human body, he was cold, he was hungry, he was tired, sometimes walked miles and miles in a day, both up and downhill. He was persecuted, 
hated by many. He was pushed to perform miracle after miracle after miracle by people who refused to believe in him. One time I was praying and God revealed to me that it's highly likely, highly probable, that in the crowd that yelled, crucify him, crucify him, was somebody who had been healed of being blind or paralyzed. And yet they cried, crucify him, crucify him. It's most likely true. They were all pursuing what they thought was best based on what they saw and heard and felt. Wanted to be happy. Wanted the money that was being offered. Wanted the peace. Didn't want the Romans to come down on them because a new ruler had arisen. Whatever. Bottom line is that as Jesus walked out on this, and then you see the night before, the night that he's arrested, the night before his crucifixion, you see him in the garden praying, Lord, take this cup from me. There is any other way. And he weeps so filled with sorrow that the very sweat pores of his body burst open and bleed. It's called hermatrodosis. And his skin was weak when they whipped him with a whip clogged with thorns and barbs of, and, and bits of glass. They ripped the skin off his back and his face and his arms and his front because it would wrap around you and grab, tore the skin so badly that you could see his bones. In Philippians 2, Paul talks about Jesus did all of this for the joy set before him, enduring persecution and death. Sometimes life is like that. And James 1, James, right, that we ought to consider it pure joy when we face all manner of trials and tribulations. Pure joy when we face all manner of trials and tribulations. No one will bother me if I abbreviate tribulations. Trials and tribulations. Sometimes life is like that. Trials and tribulations. But joy, nonetheless. And Acts 5, the disciples have been persecuted I love this. They said, Gamaliel said, don't resist them because you might even find yourself fighting against God. And then they had them flogged and ordered them not to talk about Jesus anymore. That sounds like resisting them to me. But anyway, they did it. And it got worse. The persecutions grew. And they praised God and expressed joy because they were persecuted, because they were found worthy of being persecuted like Jesus. Persecuted like Jesus. Sometimes life is like that. Now you think I could go on? I submit to you I could go on. Every kind of sorrow, but still planting the sheaves, still carrying the bag of seeds, still expecting what God is going to do. Every kind of sorrow you can possibly imagine, life can be filled with that. God gives joy because God is the one who gives it. Like peace, joy cannot be bought, cannot be stolen, can't be stolen from you even. You can't lose it by accident. It's internal, not external. It's not based on external circumstances. It's not observed with senses, but by faith, which means sometimes it looks nuts. That brings us already to our conclusion.
but it's a doozy. Joy and sorrow can coexist. That's what we're hearing in the text, right? Joy and sorrow can coexist. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, which I am going to flip there and read it. I had pl- not planned on reading it, but I am going to read it. So 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, in this you greatly rejoice. What is that? Great joy. Expressing great joy. I have great joy. Even though for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ. So we've got to go back to the beginning of the verse, and it says, in this you greatly rejoice, even though. So in what? So it comes before, right? Go back as far as verse 3. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hold on a second. Do you realize that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a child of God as expressed in believing in God through his son Jesus Christ, that he is your Lord and Savior, that God has indeed caused you to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He says, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, That which you've got coming to you can never be done away with. That which you've got already through him can never be done away with. It's imperishable and undefiled. It can never be made unclean. It can never be made useless to God. And it will not fade away. It's going to last. You might have gold jewelry. That lasts a long time. My wedding ring has endured for over 30 years now. It will not fade away. But this thing isn't talking about just for this life. It's forever into heaven. My wedding ring will not be there. We burnt up by fire. Back to the beginning of verse 4. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God. What protects you? When you're going through difficulty, when you're facing sorrow, when you're facing persecution or locked in the stocks, what protects you? The power of God, that is an abundant resource. That will get the job done. The power of God protects you through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this, you greatly rejoice, even if for a little while. So you go into these kinds of circumstances, and in those circumstances, you find What should have existed, what you should have already known, been part of, participating in, showing all the while, joy. Joy and sorrow can coexist, but sorrow only waits to be conquered by joy. Sorrow knows it does not last. Sadness knows it does not last. The funny thing about, I'm so happy, I'm so sad is that I'm so sad is followed again by I'm so happy, I'm so sad, I'm so happy. It never stops. It's like a piston in your engine, right? Up 
and down and up and down. I'm so happy. I'm so sad. I'm so happy. I'm so sad. And what happens is every time you're happy, you're less happy. You're surface happy. You're barely happy. You're waiting, as the saying goes, for the other shoe to drop, right? But the truth is, according to what we're reading here, it's sorrow that's waiting for the other shoe to drop. Sorrow is destined to be consumed. Sorrow is destined to be eaten up by joy. Listen to Psalm 30. Psalm 30 says this, I will exalt you, Lord. You have lifted me up. We ought to be able to say that. And have not let my enemies rejoice over me. Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. Lord, you've brought up my soul from Sheol and you've kept me alive that I would not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you, God, you his godly ones, and praise the mention of his holiness. For his anger is but for a moment. Listen closely. His anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Now, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain to stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called, and the Lord, I pleaded for compassion. What gain is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? In other words, whatever profits my body, what good is that if I go to, away from God for an eternity? Or someone else said it as this way, what benefits a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? He said, what gain is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be gracious to me, Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing for me. You have untied my sackcloth and encircled me with joy, that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Persecution, tribulation, trials, sorrow of any kind, Personal aspirations. What are you after? What do you want? What are you trying to achieve? Excuse me. What are you trying to do? What do you want it to, what to be the outcome? All of that. Selfish motivations of any kind. We think we can have joy in these things as if they are significant things. And the joy is small and struggling to survive in us. We're like, oh man, I'm really going through it right now. But I have my tiny bit of internal joy. But that is not the picture that scripture gives. Your joy is not your peace. And your peace surpasses understanding. Your joy is big. Your joy is powerful. Your joy moves you internally to affect your external world. Joy is not this tiny little surviving thing inside you. No, joy is the conquering hero. As peace, and frankly, the other fruits of the Spirit, joy will not only remain in the face of adverse circumstances, but will swallow them up like a whale feeds on diatoms. Millions a day. Your joy is a beast out of control, devouring everything that would ever make you sad. Don't you understand? When you suffer, it's for a time. You will be comforted for an eternity. When you go through, when you stub your toe, that pain is only to make you realize that you are alive in the flesh, and one day that regenerated flesh will never experience pain again. When you lose a loved one, God forbid, that is only to remind you that death is coming for us all, except 
There will be no second death for those of us who have trusted Christ and we will be with him for an eternity. Joy, 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 world. Jesus has come and salvation is provided. Joy will not only remain in the face of adverse circumstances, but will swallow up those circumstances as a whale feeds on diatoms. You belong to God, if you do, and your joy is victorious. A cast is worn for a while, and the broken bone becomes stronger than it was before. A bruise for a while, and a scar may remain, but eventually down the road, unless it's particularly bad, you might not even remember what caused the bruise. Stitches are for a while. Sorrow is like those things. Sorrow is your comforter. Did you know, by the way, that it's scientifically proven that if you experience pain, physical or emotional, if you cry, your body releases endorphins in your system to ease the pain. The best thing you can do if a child is hurt is to get them crying. Because as they cry, the pain is eased. By the way, whether or not a significant, an injury is significant can largely be determined as to whether or not it still hurts when the tears are gone. Sorrow is for a while. It is a tool in which we go, yes, I'm sad. Tears are streaming down my face. Now I will take my bag of seed, which for us is the gospel. It is our calling. It is our spiritual gifts. It is what God has called us to. I will take my bag of seed and I will go and I will plant. I will sow into that which I will eventually harvest. Joy will overcome sorrow. Joy will exist forever in heaven eternally. And sorrow shall never be known there. And even if it were, he himself would wipe away our tears. It is for this reason that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, we mourn not as those who have no hope. You know what he was telling them? He said, we know you're sad for your dead. There are people who are persecuted unto death. Sometimes life is like that. And they were weeping and they were sad. And he said, don't be sad like that. Realize the dead in Christ will rise first. So those who died already serving Jesus actually have been promoted in the kingdom of God. The martyrs will enter the kingdom of God, the final eternal kingdom, first. That's what he told them. And so, yes, we mourn. We mourn the loss. We're no longer with them, can't be with them anymore, that kind of thing. Yes, you mourn, but you don't mourn as those who have no hope. Why? Because you have an eternal joy providing inside you. If you can mourn at length, if you can struggle, if you can be in depression a long time at length, you may have clinical depression, you may have chemical imbalances in your body, you may need help. And if, if not that, if you're just walking around going, well, that's not so good, that's not good. If you find yourself complaining and grumpy all the time, irritated by what others are doing, if you're letting it constantly affect your physical mood, your emotions are in turmoil, you need to realize that all of that is supposed to be affected by the fruits of the Holy Spirit, of which one is joy, given by God, cannot be stolen from you. And if you're not walking in it, guess what? If you're not walking in that joy that God has provided you, when that joy rises like a beast to consume your sorrow, you may even find yourself fighting against God. I want to be mad. I want to be sad. I was talking to a woman down here on Star Avenue the one time, and her husband had passed away. She'd been married for 50 years, and he passed away suddenly. All of a sudden, he wasn't sick or nothing. He just all of a sudden passed away. He was gone. And she said, I'm mad at God. 
I'm angry at God. That God allowed that to happen. That God did that. That shouldn't have happened. And I, and I shared with her from the gospel. I shared with her what the Bible says about that. How we mourn, but not as those who have no hope. And I was trying to get across to her. And she wasn't getting it. She was mad. She was standing right there. She, she became mad at me because I was representing God to her. But behind her was a young lady just about to turn 17 years old. And she heard me sharing with her mom, sharing from the scriptures, sharing the truth of Jesus and how eternal life and joy and peace are available in Christ. And God loves and God does turn out even these horrible situations, right? The cast does come off, the bruise does heal, the stitches do get pulled or dissolve, right? And how God does eventually use that for his glory and for our good. And I'm sharing that. And the girl behind her is listening very intently. And she started getting mad at me and talking to me. And I said, if I could just stop you for a second. I said, I've said about everything I need to say about that. I said, but I'm looking back here and I'm seeing, I said, well, what's your name? And she told me her name. And I said, I see you listening to me very intently. Can we talk for a moment? And I looked at her mother and I said, can, can we just stop talking? Let me just talk to her for a minute. And she said, fine, whatever. She said, I always, you know, I want what's best for her, whatever. And I shared the gospel with her. And the girl who's standing in the background listening to her mother, how mad her mother was at God, how mad her mother was getting at me, accepted Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. She came forward and she put her hand in mine. We bowed our heads together and she prayed, begging God to forgive her for her sins. And she walked away with tears. And they were not tears of sorrow over her father's death, although I am quite certain she was sad because her dad died unexpectedly. They were tears of joy because she was saved by her profession. When God does what God does and your joy rises up as a beast to consume all of these things that we've been talking about to give you hope and peace and, and even happiness in the midst of stuff that just, it's insane. How can I be happy under these circumstances? When your joy does that, you've got two choices. You can cling to the cast, cling to the stitches, cling to the bruise, or you can let your joy consume it all. And that is the imagery that God uses in Scripture. Because this is not a picture of your life. You only think it is. It's not a picture of my life. I only think it is. Yeah, there's a lot of crap in it. You know where the crap's at? You know where the stuff's at that we don't want? The stuff that we don't like? It's been consumed by joy. That's where it's at. I'm not making that up. That's the scripture. It's been consumed by joy. If you're still holding on to that which upsets you, if you're still chasing after that which makes you happy, you need to understand that you are pouring into, you are serving your flesh, and it's time we stopped and instead served our spirit. And this is what that looks like. All of that crap, all of that nasty, useless stuff, useless stuff is in joy because it's consumed by joy. That's how it works. And this, this is a picture of me in my life. I'm standing in my joy with all the crap, not in me, not on me, not affecting me, in the joy. Stand on your joy. Come on. Joy to the world. But Christians are walking around. But, but my bills, my house, my money, my sickness and my sports team, and my, my body's failing me, and oh, how can I have joy? Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, 
you need to think about how everything that you are enduring, every sorrow that you are facing, every pain that you are experiencing, you know what it is? It's a diatom. It's food for the beast of joy that God has released inside his people. Sure, you want your fortunes to change? Reach out to God and say, God, turn my fortunes again. It's going to be tough. I'm going through some tough stuff here. I'm facing some tough stuff here. And I want to walk in my joy. Lord, do what you want to do. We pray. We don't pray, God, fix it all. We pray, Lord, your will be done. Not my will, but your will. And that's how Jesus ended his prayer, praying that he would not have to go to the cross. And then he had to go to the cross. And Paul notes that he went to the cross for the joy set before him. It comes down to, will you do what it is that God says you are supposed to do while you are partaking in the fixing effects of sorrow and sadness? People get a health concern, and then it consumes their whole life. I'm, I'm eating right now, and I'm drinking right now, and I'm working out, and I'm taking this medicine. I can take this medicine. The medicine has the side effects, and I get this medicine for the side effects of the medicine, the side effects of the medicine for the side effects of the side effects of the medicine, and I'm doing all that. I've got doctor's appointments. I've got three doctor's appointments this week and two doctor's appointments next week, and it just goes on and on and on. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to the doctor, and I'm not saying you shouldn't take medicine, and I'm not saying you shouldn't get the physical help of this world, but should it consume your life? No. No. Because the salvation has been shown. And according to the psalmist, and according to Paul, joy comes in the morning. I'm asking you to embrace the, the realization. He says, Blessed be the God of our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Pick up your bag of seed, O mourner. Stand on your joy, Christian. Refuse. Refuse to think, oh, my life's got so much bad stuff in it. And hear me when I say this. There is not one thing that goes on in your life that God cannot turn out for your good. As the lyric of one of the songs that God relayed on my heart during my sabbatical says, if it ain't good, it ain't over yet. It's not good. It's not done. That's a promise you can take on through the next time you're sad, the next time you're hurt, the next time you're struggling. We cried out for him to help, and he healed us. And now we sing the praises of the Lord. We praise the mention of his holiness for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. This time we're going to have the praise team, <laughs> those of them that are not sick, or not sick, good enough that they can't help.
uh, come and lead us in our final song of worship. But maybe you're here today and you say, I have not experienced that joy. For one, maybe you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've not turned your life and the things of your life over. When I got saved, for me, it was about turning all of it over. And I have been a work in progress ever since. I'm not saying I've got it all right, but it certainly made me a completely different person than the person I was before. And if you can say that your salvation made you a completely different person than you were before, then I'm asking you to do nothing less than stand on your joy. A knight rides a war horse, and when a knight can't fight, his war horse fights for him. A Christian stands on joy and realizes that no matter what is happening, no matter what threatens to undo me, I cannot be undone because my joy is going to devour, devour, there we go, going to devour that which threatens to devour me. Stand with me and sing this song. Give glory to God. And we sing in your heart. There's some decision that needs to be made. You make that decision today. You come forward, whatever it might be.
became a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the things, thank you, one of the things that uh, was, was supposed to be different about you now is an internal joy. And you can't provide it. You're not going to find it for yourself. It's about surrendering to Jesus to deal with what you're going through. And it also is about embracing the spirit in you, which means you don't pollute yourself with things of the world that speak against joy. Um, a wise young man said to me uh, just recently, be careful of social media because it's been linked to, you watch a lot of social media, it's been linked to depression, mental struggles, emotional struggles, and like that. And you see other people being happy. And sometimes, if it's people you love, being with them, seeing people be happy, it can be infectious. You can feel joy, right? You feel like happiness that you're grateful that God is doing an amazing thing in that circumstance, whatever. But a lot of times, you look at strangers' happiness or strangers' romance or strangers' determination, or strangers' discipline, whatever like that, then it, it, you measure yourself by someone else's standard, and it, it can really hurt you, and you can wind up depressed or struggling. Um, so you walk out your relationship with God. Don't base it on anyone else's. And you let God foster joy in you and realize that the worst thing, if, if you made a list right now, you took the absolute worst thing you've ever been through and wrote it on a blank piece of paper, that thing is able, all the negative effects are able to be consumed by joy. Peace is your ability to stay the course internal, provided by God, ability to stay the course even when things are tough, right? That's peace. You're calm inside. You're not in turmoil. Joy is your ability to overwhelm your outside circumstances with a heart that is exuberant, excited, energetic. Yay! but from inside, not based on what I'm going through. And you could write your worst experience on this piece of paper and feed it to joy, the same you would a paper shredder, if you're willing. Because God said that's, that's the equation. That's how it works. So this week, when something goes wrong, this week when you feel yourself being frustrated or struggling or upset, go, you know what? God is bigger than this. My joy that God provides me is bigger than this. And if you have to, there's a, a, a great lesson in counting your blessings and going like, because here's the thing. For most of us that are struggling, and I have been this person, with sorrow or anger or whatever, we're looking at our present circumstances. But when you were single or when you were a child or when you were in jail or when you were, in other words, when your circumstances were different, you hoped for what you have now. And now you have it, and you're not happy. Now I know that there were times in your past you lost something extreme, and you mourned that, and suffered sorrow, and like that. That is an effect, right? But that too is consumed in our joy because those are experiences of this life, and they are temporal. They do not last, and they are consumed by joy. And joy is eternal in heaven. People ask me, how will we get to heaven and be happy to be there, be joyful to be there, knowing what we've been through? How could Jesus return to heaven knowing how terrible it was to be crucified and be happy? Well, heck yeah. Absolutely. Right? We'll get there and go, what we went through compared to this, we're going to be, but then are you going to be in heaven for a few hours and go, you know, I really wish. No. You've got to find joy in Christ. Otherwise, when you get to heaven and have joy, joy wouldn't be enough. You may find yourself fighting even against God. Let's pray together, and then this will be the close of our services. Um, as of now, 
we are not going to Christmas Carol on Tuesday night, just because there's been so much sickness and that kind of thing. But we will look for one opportunity to get out, assuming we can squeeze another night in somewhere um, to do that. But we, as of right now, we are not doing Christmas Carol on Tuesday night. We've had so many people sick, and even you know, we get little kids, and the kids will come, and they may or may not wear a coat and everything else if we do it. So we are not going to do that Tuesday. Um, and if we get a chance to do it, great. And if we don't, just know that you need to witness. You need to tell people about the great purpose of this season, the recognition of Jesus came, and he is the salvation of mankind, and, and also how they might have joy. Let's just pray together in closing. Lord in heaven, you are an awesome God and a provider of great joy. It is my great joy to know you. It is my great joy to call out and to sometimes see you miraculously intervene and do incredible things on my behalf, and other times for you to say, no, I'm not going to do that, or we're going to go a different route than what you're expecting. It is my great joy to know that you are on the throne in charge of all things and that when I don't, when I don't work the way I want it to, uh, I still trust that you're on the throne and you're taking care of it. It's my great joy to know these brothers and sisters in Christ and to see them uh, rising up and serving you and loving you and, and doing the work that you've given us to do. It is even, and this stretches my mind, my great joy to endure sorrow or sadness for a time. And to continue through that, sowing and working as you've called me to. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your many blessings. I pray for your protection for us. We don't want to go through difficult hours. We don't want to live in the past and feel regret, struggle about the future and worry. We want to know peace and we want to know joy. We know that everything that's necessary for that has been provided in Jesus. Lord, we pray joy to the world, but we see them out there like vampires consuming one another, searching for their happiness in the lives of others. Where can they steal it? Where can they take it? Whom can they victimize? What can they change to make their mark on the world? In their own life, in their own homes, in politics, in society, everywhere. Lord, let us bring the light of the gospel into the lost and dying world. And if there was joy, then there would not be so much strivings to take from others. Lord, help us not be devoured by our wants, not be driven by what our flesh wants, but embracing the things of the Spirit, walking the best we know how. The Holy Spirit in us produce this fruit. Joy. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. This concludes our services for the day. Thank you to those of you who joined us online. And God bless you all this joyous, joyous Christmas season.